Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Oh man, God is so good, is he not? He is. It's always, I I say this every Sunday, and I'm never probably not going to say it. That is a double negative. You're welcome, Emily. She is our English major. Um, But I I love, Sundays are the best day of the week. Yesterday, um, after Sky's soccer game, I was... I was just laying down because coaching is extremely hard on me. <laughs> Walking up and down. I was working on my coach's walk up and down that sidewalk. Um, I only made three little girls cry yesterday. It was a win. No, I'm joking. I, t- I didn't. But Sky walked up to me, and she came in and snuggled next to me. And she said, Dad, tomorrow Sunday, isn't it? I'm like, it is. She's like, that's the best day of the week because we get to celebrate Jesus and we get to go to church. I was like, yes, come on. I was going to take up an offering right then and there. <laughs> I was ready. But Sundays are the best day. I love it when the church gets to gather together, not just in this place, but places across the world. We celebrate Jesus And God is doing a bigger work in this town. God is doing a bigger work globally. God is pouring out his spirit. In the last days, he said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And God is starting that because these are the last days. And I'm I'm so excited that God chose that we should live in the last days because he's saying, this is a church. This is a body that I want to reach the world with in a greater way than it ever has. So isn't that an amazing privilege that God chose us to live in these moments? Let's steward them. We're in the middle of a series called Lessons on the Lake. And I love, I love this series because um, I'm one of those people that, like, when I read the Bible, I, I want to think about what it would have been like to sit in those moments when Jesus is on the boat with his, or right around the lake of Jacinarat or the Sea of Galilee, and listen. And, and there are lessons that he teaches to his disciples in and on the lake of Jacinarat that he does not teach to the multitudes. In fact, we actually see there in his public ministry, Jesus just he made a transition of teaching plainly to teaching in only parables so that the people that needed to understand could understand, and the people that didn't need to understand don't understand. And, and he did that as a grace. You ever wonder, like, why did Jesus teach a parable so often? So the people that didn't need to understand didn't understand. And he did that as a grace to them. So when they stand before God in judgment, they're only going to be judged for what, what they're accountable to, to know. And so sometimes I think the church... We, we, we fall on the other side. We make things so clear to everyone that people that aren't ready for it, they're going to be held accountable for what they do with it. And, and Jesus, he taught in parables for a reason. That's a side note. I'm not going to get on that. Just stay focused right here, right here, right here. But it would have been so cool to sit and listen to what he taught plainly to his disciples. And and the lesson that we're going to look at today is a famous one. It's found in two Gospels, Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41, and Matthew chapter 8, 23 through 27. We're actually going to be reading both of them. Um, we're, going to be, we're going to be consuming a two-layer cake today um, because both of them kind of offer a, a different look at the disciples' response. And so um, let's just jump into Mark chapter 4. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's I want to stop right there. I'm not going to preach like on let's, but I want us to say let's. Let's. Remember let's. That is a compound word. Let us. Get that in your brain, okay? Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat 
and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say it began to sink. If you ever spent time on a boat, unless it's like a cruise ship, water gets in boats. You know why? Because it's in water. Have you ever canoed? You cannot canoe without getting like three to four inches of water in the bottom. I don't care if you don't tip over. Like, I don't understand how switching the paddle from this side to this side and the few drips of water that come off of that paddle, it ends up being like this much. Like, water gets in boats, but it does not say it was sinking. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. So the lesson here is Jesus took naps. Take a nap. Let's go. <laughs> the disciples woke him up shouting. So, like, have you guys ever been woke up by a shout? Like, like, it's not just like, ugh, it's like, whoa, 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 what? Like, what's happening? What's what's going on? And and the like, teacher, like, it's it's loud. It's He's sleeping, and my, like my, my daughter did that to me the other day, and it scared the daylights out of me. She like I was uh, like it might have been last Sunday. I was sleeping, and she walked into the bedroom and said, "Dad, right next to my head," and I was just like I was ready to fight, and it was. But <laughs> teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? Which I feel. Personally, like, that's an unfair question. Of course he cared. He was oblivious to the situation. He was sleeping. This, this happened, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I fell asleep on our recliner, and Amy was in the kitchen, and I woke up to this statement. Oh, never mind, you're not listening anyways. And I have no idea what she said. And I thought it might be evident that I wasn't listening because I was asleep. But I, I don't know what all you said, but I'm sure it was life-changing. She probably solved world hunger or something. But um, it's just an unfair statement, unfair question. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Imagine it going from crashing over the side of the boat, and in an instant, mirror reflection type of water. That's what happened. Like, crashing to boom. The wind stopped. There was no ripple. I mean, like, great calm. Then he asked, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. They were afraid of the storm. They were terrified by God. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And we're going to jump into Matthew's gospel real quick, and we're going to read his account. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with, break, uh, with waves breaking into the boat. So I want, I want you to see this. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake. I want you to pay attention to the description of what's happening here. Suddenly, suddenly, like, like if you guys know anything about like weather and stuff, Usually, you can see clouds coming up. You can see storm systems brewing. Like, it's not like they were surrounded by mountains they couldn't see. Like, there are hills, but, like, you can see this stuff, okay? And things don't, like, storms like this don't just pop up like, boom. Suddenly, a, a fierce storm struck the lake, and the waves were breaking into the boat. 
but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Just as quick as it suddenly came up, suddenly it went away. The disciples were amazed. Mark's gospel says they were terrified. This gospel says they were amazed. Who is this man, they ask. Even the wind and the waves obey him. So, I want, I want to work backwards. I think to understand what we're going to hit on today, we need to look at the context of what's happening and then work backwards and, and, and take a look at the disciples' response. They were terrified and were amazed. And then out of that response, we're going to work through it in the proper order. I know I just confused everyone. Just bear with me. Right after this, he calms the storm, they land, he gets greeted by the welcoming party from hell. There is a man filled with five to 6,000 demons, and he runs at Jesus, screaming at Jesus, shrieking at Jesus, calling him the son of God, and, and he's terrified. And Jesus, this is the only time he had a conversation with a demon. He said, come out of the man, and the demon didn't. And then Jesus said, what is your name? And I, I think it's, I think Jesus is just taking notes. I'm like, okay, you don't want to obey me. I'm going to write your name down. We're going to, we're going to talk later. <laughs> like, there, there's going to be extra for you later. I just want you to understand that. And the guy, the, the demon say, says, legion, for we are many, and, and like, that might just be like, oh, that's just a name. No, no, they were in Roman, Roman times, and, and, a, and a legion, well, like that was a, a company, a huge company, like five to 6,000 soldiers. And, and in Israel at the time, there were three legions stationed in Jerusalem, 15,000 Romans, because Israelites rebelled a lot, and they had to have extra soldiers there to squish the rebellion. So there was a lot of soldiers in this area, and so when they said legion, Jesus would instantly knew what that meant. The disciples would instantly knew what that meant because they were under the Roman government, and and so he says the legion for we are many. And then Jesus said, "Come out!" And he sent them, and they asked, "Can we go into these pigs over here?" And you got to understand, Jesus kept the law perfectly, so he never had bacon. So he made an honest mistake. He sent them into the pigs. I'm just joking. Jesus never made a mistake. That was sarcasm. This is the first case, though, however, of deviled ham. Oh, come on, Ryan. But Jesus sent these demons into 2,000 pigs. They run off the cliff. They drown. And so that's what's happening. As soon as Jesus landed. What, what else do we know about Jesus, though? We know that Jesus was so intentional. He followed the Holy Spirit completely. He walked in, in step with the Spirit, in obedience to the Holy Spirit, like, entirely. There was not one moment of his life where he stepped out of line with the Spirit of the living God. So we know throughout the Gospels there are times where, where he would get alone and pray, and then he would come out and say, we need to go to this town, this town, and this town, because the Holy Spirit led him. And John chapter 4 is a great example. When he went to the Samaritan woman, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. So Jesus did things intentionally led by the Spirit. Did the Holy Spirit control him? No, but he walked in such obedience that, that the idea of doing something contrary to what the Holy Spirit wanted him to do was just not even in his head. Where we, 
We, we are, are led by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be led. The Bible says those who walk in step with the Spirit will not gratify the desires of their flesh. We're called to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, but we strive to do that. We, we have to put down our flesh constantly to walk and listen to the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, being 100% God, 100% man, walked perfectly. So when Jesus says, let us go across the lake, it was with intentionality. It doesn't say this per se, but if you just, I'm not reading into scripture, but if you look at the life of Jesus, you know that Jesus knew that he had to get across the lake. What else do we know about this area of the Gerizines? That's where he was going. It was a Gentile, a non-Jewish controlled area. This is an area that Jesus had never done ministry in. So he's not only going to to do ministry, he's going to an area that, that no Jews are at. He's going to a, and, and the Bible, it's, it's kind of like the gateway to what the Bible calls the Decapolis. It's a series of 10 sit, Gentile cities, non-Jewish cities on the other side of the Jordan River. And, and Jesus is going to a new area to do ministry to a new people group that had never heard of him. And so when, when we see the storm raise up suddenly, many believe, and, and it doesn't say this per se in scripture, but the scripture lends itself to this idea that this is a demonically charged storm. But to the point where these half of the disciples that followed Jesus were professional fishermen before they gave up that profession to follow Jesus. And what, where did they fish? They fished on the lake of Jacinarat which is the lake that they're crossing. And that's not a big lake. It's like seven miles by like three miles. It's not a big lake. And so these guys have been in storms on this water before. Like, they were afraid that this is going to drown them. They were afraid that this is going to end their life. And maybe they thought they were doing Jesus a service by waking him up. Maybe they thought they were saving his life. But this is not just a normal storm. And I think some of us right now in this room are facing things in our life that we that just came out of nowhere. And it's not a normal storm that you're just, it's not just life. The enemy's really coming at you, and you're like, I, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And you, you've, been, you've been like the disciples going, Jesus! Trying to wake him up. He's not asleep. The Bible is very clear. He who watches over you does not slumber. He's not asleep. And, and so, with, with, with all of this, we step into the scene at the end of these two passages, and the disciples were in utter terror and amazement and wonder of what they just saw. And God realigned their awe, A-W-E. The only proper response to a display of the power of God is a realignment of the awe of God in our life. And so I'm going to give you three thoughts today, but the second two flow out of this first one. They make sense when this first one is in our center focus, always on our mind. And the first thought I want to give you is, we must never lose our awe of God. We must never lose our wonder and amazement of who God is. And like, awe, that's a that's an interesting word. I kind of have an idea what it means. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the definition of what awe means. A feeling of reverential respects, respect mixed with fear and wonder. A feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder. God is not tame. God does not jump when we say jump. He is God Almighty. He is a living and active God that loves us dearly, but he is God. And what we see here is the disciples, 
waking up Jesus in fear. They were afraid they were going to drown. And some might even say die, because when you drown, they were afraid of losing their life. And they're operating in fear. And, and a couple things about fear here. Fear always runs the worst case scenario. And fear is a demonic spirit. So we are called as Christ followers to be led by the spirit of the living God, which is what led Jesus to cross the lake in the first place. And, and it's also the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God at work in Jesus is how he did all his miracles. That's how God still does miracles through his church. It's through the Holy Spirit in us, through the Holy Spirit in Christ. It's how he calmed the storm. It was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't him being God. It was him being subject to the God at work in him, the Holy Spirit. And so when we start to make decisions that are influenced by, by fear, when we, when we react in fear, we're actually being led by a spirit contrary to the spirit of God in us. Because fear has no middle ground. They said they were going to drown, but the text says, they're, yeah, I mean, grant you, waves were busting over the side of the boat. That's not a good thing when you're in the middle of the lake. But it doesn't say the boat was sinking, did it? But in their mind, they were afraid. But Jesus was at peace. Jesus was being led by the Spirit of God, and they were being led by the Spirit of fear. And so, another thing about fear, the Spirit of fear will make us lose our awe of God. It will. Jesus, God Almighty, was in the boat with them. And it's easy, like you might think, well, it must be hard to lose your awe of God. Uh, it's actually really easy. It's really easy to lose our awe of God. In Matthew chapter 8 alone, there is potential in the first 15 verses for hundreds of miracles to be done. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you. Right out the gate, it starts with Jesus healing a leper. The disciples saw it. Then the Roman officer, he... he uh, his servant gets healed. He says, Jesus, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. And Jesus speaks, and the servant's healed. And Jesus is amazed by his, his uh, faith. So those are two miracles right out the gate in Matthew chapter 8. And, uh, and my point is, it's so easy to lose our awe of God. Then Peter's mother-in-law. We step in. Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Jesus comes, and he heals her. And then we step into verse 16, and this is where it gets interesting. The disciples saw all this. But verse 16 in Matthew chapter 8 says, That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command. And he healed all the sick. All. All. We don't know how many many means, and we don't know what all all entails. We don't know, but there's three distinct miracles that are mentioned. Leper, officer, servant, Peter's mother-in-law, and then many demon-possessed and all the sick out of a town called Capernaum. That's a lot. And the disciples saw it all. They were right there next to Jesus. They were seeing how he did it. They were seeing the devils leave. They were seeing the sick heal. They were seeing. 
Peter was personally affected when his mother-in-law got up. He might have he even contested at that point. Jesus, are you sure you want to do this? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. That's, not a, that's a bad mother-in-law joke. But we know that his disciples were there for all of this. In fact, in John, the last verse of the book of John, it says, verse 25 out of the last chapter, it says, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. That is the last verse of the Gospel of John. Jesus, like, Miracles were such a common thing in the ministry of Jesus. Supernatural things happened all the time. And the disciples were around it so much that it became mundane. That it became mundane. And so we find them in a boat with God Almighty who has Raise the dead, who has cast out demons, who has healed the sick, the leper, the, the lame, the blind. And they are afraid of a storm. Because it became mundane. They lost their awe of God. And for us, we can get so engrossed in the goodness of God, the blessing of God, and that, that we just expect it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't expect God to do good things in our life. We should, but we got to keep the awe of God. So he is God. He's worthy of our worship. He's, he's the Almighty. I mean, he has the voice of many waters. His eyes are like fire. His tongue is, I mean, like, that's God Almighty. And he's choosing to interact with creation with you and me and have relationship with us. And we can get so used to this that we forget who he is. And that's a scary place to be because when you forget who God is, when storms raise up, you go, what do I do? What, what, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to? And God's like, are you joking? Do you remember last year when I made sure that your family was taken care of? Do you remember when I healed you of this? Do you remember when I, sh I mean, like, I'm, church, I'm not saying that you have, but Jesus asked two questions to realign their awe. He says, why are you afraid? Why are you letting the demon control, control your thought process, the spirit of fear? And then he says, where is your faith? Faith in God keeps our awe of God from fading. When we have faith, no matter what storm comes at us, no matter what faces us, we stand and we say, God is able. My God is more than enough. It doesn't matter if you beat against me. It doesn't matter if you come at me. It doesn't matter because God is able. Because I have faith that if God said it, we'll do it. Faith in God keeps our awe of God from fading. And here's the thing. Only God can recapture the awe of God. And usually it takes something like what the disciples went through. Man can't do it. Only God can do it. Out of the awe of God comes obedience to God, and in obedience we will find rest. The second thought I want to leave with you is there is rest in obedience. Jesus, being fully man and fully God, walked in obedience to the Holy Spirit perfectly, and he modeled that for us. He didn't just do it to do it. Like everything Jesus did was a model for how we approach life and ministry and walking out a relationship with the Father. He modeled it so we can see what it looks like. And so, as he's walking out obedience to the Holy Spirit, he walks into a boat and he says, let us cross the lake. And he goes to sleep. 
We know right before this, he's teaching parables and he's healing sick. And he's exhausted. And I don't know. I do not know. It doesn't make sense in my head. But I have walked off the stage more exhausted than after playing a basketball game. I don't, I don't know how it works. I don't feel like I'm burning any more calories than normal. But there is something about ministry. When, when, when I was downtown praying for that demoniac, that demon-possessed man, it was an hour of prayer and, and then he got delivered, and he accepted Jesus, and his name was William, and, and it was amazing. I got home, and I crashed. I had zero strength left in my body. I don't understand how it works, but I, I, I get what Jesus is getting at. He's doing ministry all day, and he's like, I need to rest, because I know that there's someone on the other side of this lake that needs me. He might not know the, the, the details of it, but he's walking in obedience, and he casts the demons out. And he's resting in obedience because he has his proper awe of who God is. He has his proper understanding that his Father is with him, that the Holy Spirit is with him. And the disciples, though, on the other hand, they've, they've let it become mundane every day and and this storm gets up, and they lost sight of the fact that Jesus is in the boat. Jesus didn't flinch or even wake up when this demonic storm came against him. And I'm not trying to be taboo or anything like that, but the spiritual realm can't afflict the physical realm. And Jesus looked at it and didn't even wake up. He was at perfect peace. Why? The Holy Spirit told him to cross the lake. And he's like, I'm crossing the lake. That was it. It was settled in his heart. He didn't let it ruin his peace. He didn't let it dictate where he was going. He didn't let anything. The enemy, here's the thing, guys. I think someone needs to hear this. If you're doing what God tells you to do and you're walking in obedience, I don't care what the enemy throws at you. He can't stop you. I don't care how much the enemy tries to assassinate your assignment and your purpose. He can't. If you are walking with the Holy Spirit, he will try. He might try to slow you down. But at the end of the day, it's all going to work out for good, for God's glory and your good as you keep walking with God. In your head, you might be thinking, I should be across the lake already. I should, be, I should already be doing this. And, 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 and in God's mind, he's saying, no, no, that's exactly how I had it going anyways. You just keep walking with me. The enemy can't stop what God has for you when you're walking with God. He can't. The enemy is powerless to stop God in you when you're obedient to God in you. Some of us just need to chill and rest because there's rest and obedience. You can't make it happen. You can't, you can't accelerate God's plan for you. Believe me, if I could accelerate the plan of God in my life, there wouldn't be an empty chair in this room. But I can't. So what I do is I keep being obedient, and I keep trying to do what God tells me to do. And believe me, the enemy keeps hitting. He keeps smacking back. But that's why God gives us a shield, right? A shield of what? What is it? Faith? That we're able to put out every fiery arrow of the enemy? And what does faith do? Faith keeps our awe of God from fading. So God told us to push forward. God told us to preach the gospel. God told us to whatever. He, you know, 
God might have some, God told you to witness to your neighbor, that coworker, whatever. God told you to pray for that person. You just do it. It's not on you for the results. It's on you for the obedience, and then God gets the results. The disciples, in all their chaos, and all their fear, and all their anxiety, and all their worry, could not stop the storm. But the one person who was obedient to the Holy Spirit in that boat stood up and stopped it because God told him to do something and he was obedient to God. Because there's rest in obedience. You can rest. If you're, if you're being obedient, quit worrying about the results. If you're doing what God tells you to do, quit, quit trying to produce something. Just rest. Just chill out. Capture the awe of God. Just be thankful for who God is in your life. Be thankful for how amazing he is. Be Just praise him. Praise him in it. The disciples were void of all rest and peace in the storm because I truly believe they lost their awe of God and they forgot who was in their boat. The awe of God reminds us of my third thought. The boat that Jesus is in doesn't sink. The boat that Jesus is in doesn't sink. Jesus said something very, at the very beginning of these, at the very beginning of this. It's a compound word that I had us say it. It's let's. It's compound for let us. Jesus put himself in that boat. Led by the Holy Spirit. He said, let us cross to the other side of the lake. So we know that if Jesus was crossing to the other side of the lake, the Holy Spirit was telling him to cross the other side of the lake. So because the Holy Spirit was telling him to cross the other side of the lake, they were going to get across the lake. And so when, when Jesus is in the boat, I don't care how big the storm is, it's not going to go down. It just won't. It can't. And some of us need to get into Jesus' boat, or you need to invite Jesus in your boat. It happened both, it's happened both ways in the gospel. One time Jesus is walking past his disciples in a storm, and they're, they're afraid. And Jesus gets in their boat, and he calmed the storm. This time Jesus is already in the boat. But the boat that Jesus is in doesn't sink. And it's, it's kind of interesting Jesus is awakened in the middle of this storm, and he says one of his most famous lines. It's quoted so often. Peace be... How many of you guys have prayed that? Yeah, I prayed it. Peace be still. Peace be still. Uh, a more... A, a, a better a better understanding or a more literal translation of what Jesus was actually saying to the storm would have been silence shut up silence shut up it was very forceful it was a command and it's kind of interesting like why would he say that to clouds and waves silence shut up almost like the storm itself had a personality, almost like it was trying to keep Jesus from getting to a region that he has not done ministry in, almost like that region was controlled by the enemy. Where did he land? He landed at these tombs in the region of the Gerasenes where a guy that happened to be filled with 5,000 demons lived right out the gate. He gets out of the boat and he doesn't even make it past the shoreline. This guy runs at Jesus and get cat. I mean, like, he, Jesus, I want you to see this. Jesus never even got into the region. The people came out and they said, Jesus, we don't want you here. They were amazed that the demon-possessed man who could not be chained, he would break the chains, he would attack all who tried to chain him. He couldn't be contained. They were amazed that this man was in his right mind and completely changed. Completely changed. But they were blown away. They, they saw Jesus do this. 
They're hearing the man's testimony. This man had one encounter with God. And they said, Jesus, can you leave? These Gentiles didn't want Jesus. And this man, formerly known as Legion, said, Jesus, I want to come with you. And Jesus said, no. No, the Holy Spirit sent me across the lake. I thought it was to minister to the Decapolis, but it was for you. Now, you go and tell everyone what God has done for you. Share your testimony. Tell them, tell them the faithfulness of God in you. And it says the man went. And I want you to get this, because some of us might feel disqualified to share what God has done for us. This man had a 15-minute encounter with Jesus. He was armed with that encounter, that one encounter, and Jesus sent him out as the first missionary. He didn't have years of schooling, years of ministry. An hour before this, he was breaking chains and living in tombs with 5,000 demons in him. Then he encountered Jesus and the power of God through the Holy Spirit, and it changed his life. And it said that that man went out and preached in these ten cities, and all who heard him believed and were amazed. Because when we share what God has done for us, it will God at work in us and working through us will will make people capture this awe of God. They were amazed. They were in wonder. Is that the man? When you share your this power in the testimony, what God has done in you. But Jesus said, peace be still, because the enemy knew that if Jesus got past, he was going to tear up this area for the kingdom of God. And Jesus didn't even have to do it. It was this man. So, the Greek word for peace here is sepeo. And this is what Jesus told. This, this, is what, this is a word that he would have used to speak to that storm. A hush. Properly, muteness, involuntary stillness or inability to speak. The storms that are raging against us that we know that this is it came up all of a sudden and and it, we don't know why it's coming at us man it might just be depression it might be anxiety but you're like where is this coming from you need to stand in the authority of the holy spirit in you and you need to say peace you need to say shut up maybe you need to say sepeo involuntary stillness this this storm had no choice. These demons had no choice. And then the word here for be still is fimeo. I just butchered that. I know that. To close the mouth with a muzzle. To muzzle. To stop the mouth. To make speechless. Reduce to silence. To become speechless. To be kept in check. The boat Jesus is in doesn't sink. Why? Because Jesus has all authority and power. And he says that we'll do greater things in him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit that gave Jesus the authority to speak to these storms, Jesus gave to us. And when we walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit, when storms come at us, we can say, peace be still in the mighty name of Jesus. We can say, silence, shut up. Because the storms that we face might not be a physical storm that manifests on a lake, but it usually attacks our mind. It comes at us, you'll never be healed. They'll never recover. That child will never get saved. It, it, and the same words that Jesus used to address the demons that were trying to stop his assignment, trying to stop his obedience, we can use. In the mighty name of Jesus, peace be still. I don't have to listen to this. You don't. You don't have to listen to the enemy. You don't have to give him a single ounce of ground in your mind. He will come at you constantly. But the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a banner against him. 
And we need to stand and cast down every thought that's contrary to the will of God. In these last days, before Jesus returns, God is going to do wonders through his church like never before. I believe in the last days that God's going to do more miraculous things through his church than he did through all the time leading up to this. I, I truly believe that. But I truly also believe it starts with us walking in the awe of God and understanding that there is rest and obedience because we know who God is. We see him, we're in awe, and we're in wonder of him. We're in amazement, and we're terrified of him at the same time. And, 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 and with that, we understand that if God is with us, when he's in our boat, it's not going to sink. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to, we don't have to operate and react out of fear, but we can push forward because God is with us. Romans 8 says, if God is for us, what can stand against us? And I want us, church, to be in awe of God. And when we're in awe of God, man, it it makes our faith rise. It, It changes the way we pray when you understand God is able. He's God Almighty. When I pray for cancer, I know it's going to shrink. When when I pray for healing, I know they're going to be healed because God, it's not because I'm anything special. Man, if you guys knew the inadequacies and the, the struggles that I have in my own mind, you'd be like, what? <laughs> the most confidence I ever have is when I have a microphone in my hand. But I know this, that if God is with me, he won't let me fail. If I'm walking in obedience to his spirit, I might might stumble. I might get it wrong sometimes. But God is God. And I can pray with confidence. And we can pray with confidence. We can have assurance that God is going to move. We can pray over our city and know that God is going to grow his kingdom. We can worship knowing that strongholds are going to fall. We can can operate in peace knowing that God offers his peace that the world can't give. But it starts with this, we got to have an awe of God. We can't lose the awe of God. We can't lose it. And, and, And so what I want us to do today in response, I want us to worship the Lord God Almighty. Let's not go through, we worship every single week. We start with worship. We end with worship. And it's easy to go through the motions of singing a song. But maybe you need to not sing and just start praising God in your own words and say, God, I just worship you. And start listing out the blessings that he's poured out. Recapture the awe. Recapture the awe. Remind yourself who God is. Maybe it is just seeing what's on the screen. Think about what you're singing, though. Don't go through the motions. That's what got the disciples in trouble in the first place. They were around it so much that they lost it. If you're here today, too, and you say, okay, well, I'm, I'm challenged. I've, I have this need in my life. I need prayer. Well, I'm going to be right up here. I want to pray for you, and we're going to, we're going to believe that the all-powerful God is going to show up in a powerful way and move in your situation. My wife will be up here. I'll be up here. Maybe you're here today, and you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Well, Jesus wants you to recommit his, your life to him. He wants a relationship with you. I'm going to be up here. If you need that, please come forward. But what I don't want us to do go through the motions let's celebrate Jesus and recapture our awe of who he is he says where is your faith why are you afraid maybe maybe that's where we're at why are you afraid where is your faith faith keeps our awe of God from fading So let's stand, and as 
Pastor Ben leads. Let's respond.
symptoms, but God is here to heal. And and I, I, I guess my, my question is, who else? Why not? If God's here, who needs? Who needs to be healed? Anyone? I did not see a hand. Well, who knows someone who needs to be healed? Miss Sherry. She came, she stepped forward a couple weeks ago, probably about a month ago, stepped forward for her brother-in-law who had tumors that were growing and they said that they would not shrink. They said that they're going to be right where they're at. But she stepped forward and, and I said, this is your step of faith. I want you to call your sister and I want you to tell her that we're praying and ask if he's feeling good. Step out in faith. And she did. And we keep praying, and as of last week, the cancer stopped growing. In fact, to the point that it's shrinking, and her brother-in-law can stop treatments. Come on! Because we serve a good God. We just got to stand in awe of who God is. Who knows someone who needs a touch from the Lord? Just raise your hand. All right. This is, what, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And I want you to call them out by name. And then, and then I want you, whatever you're praying for, if it's a physical healing, if it's a financial need, whatever it is, I want you to call them and ask. Like if it's a physical, do you, do you, feel, do you feel better? Do you feel different? Because we prayed for you as a church. Step in faith. Faith needs faith needs work to work. And work is proof that your faith is working. I know that's a loaded statement, but faith needs work to work. And work is proof that your faith is working. So when you call that person, if it's a like just if it's a financial thing whatever just say hey we're praying for your finances and you're going to step in faith listen to the spirit at that moment listen step listen do what he says and God will it's a reflex for God he can't help it when he sees faith he's like oh man I gotta move oh man I love it when my, when my kids step in faith so you're going to pray for that need, and I'm going to pray for the needs. And God is going to show up, and we're going to have a testimony. 
We're going to share these stories. Father, I pray right now, Lord, you see all, every hand that raised. Lord, you see the needs that are present in those situations. You see, Lord, if it's healing or if it's financial, if, it, if, 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 if it's emotional, whatever it is, Father, we speak to it in the name of Jesus and we say, peace be still in the name of Jesus. If it's salvation, Lord, we bind addiction right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we speak we speak wholeness, Lord Jesus. These people that are searching for identity and all these other things, Lord, let them find identity in you because you're the only one that offers it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Oh, God, I thank you. I thank you for what you did here today. I thank you for what you're going to do here tomorrow and in this year and the years to come. I thank you for the souls. I thank you for this, the, the kingdom advancing in this city and the surrounding. I thank you, Jesus, because you're a good God. And we lift your name on high. We lift you up, Jesus. We stand in awe of you, God Almighty. Lord, I speak over your church that you bless them and keep them. Make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Turn your countenance towards them and may they have peace in the name of Jesus. Empower them, embolden them, encourage them, oh God, with your Holy Spirit. And let us walk out of these walls and be the church of the living God. Let us extend our tent pegs and extend your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I love you guys.